All right, a lot of role reversal, a role reversal, he tried to say. I need to say that slower. Role reversal going on in college football. At least, uh, I know it's only two weeks, but still, uh, out to the KDUS hotline we go to go around college football. We're now joined in the sports zone by David Kenyon of Bleacher Report. David, let's start with the uh, role reversal theme here with Texas winning at Alabama. I've been avoiding this Texas is back theme and narrative and question for years, but after Saturday night at Tuscaloosa, I feel obligated to ask you, David, is Texas back? It's more fun if they are, right, Bob? Thanks so much for having me again. Good to good to be with you. But Texas is Texas is backer than they've been, in my opinion, in a long time. Because even when even when uh, Sam Ellinger, after that uh, that bowl win, said we're back, well, you right. know they they were already in a bowl game that wasn't a place that would define you as back. I mean, they they played well and everything that season, but that wasn't back. And then they turned around and were not back. But, like you said, role reversal. You go into Alabama, and I, I know it's not a classic Alabama team um, that, that just overwhelms you. Big quarterback problem. We can maybe talk about that later. But Texas dominated the end of that game. And Texas did not dominate the end of games in big games for, what, 15 years now, 14 years, whatever it is that this was a different look of a Texas team that we hadn't seen in a long time, largely thanks to Quinn Ewers, Ewers for sure. In addition to Ewers and then dominating at the end of that game, what also most impressed you about that Texas win? Honestly, I think it was Steve Sarkeesian. He looked like the Alabama offensive coordinator who could not be stopped. Like, whatever it was that Texas needed to do, Texas got through play calling. It was an absolute clinic from Sarkeesian that really didn't happen last season, and it was kind of like, okay, is being a head coach overwhelming what he could do as a play caller? But but he was awesome in this game, picking apart obviously what is one of the best coach defenses you can possibly have being a Nick Saban team. Okay, let's cover the Alabama side of things here, and I understand – and fully admit that this might be an overreaction question, but is Alabama a legitimate national championship contender this season? I'm, with the look of it right now, the offensive line, no. The quarterback, no. So that's that's two pretty, pretty big pieces of the puzzle there that right now are no. Now, we've been down this road before, and we should probably not question Alabama after two games. Um, but look, man, that, that back-to-back of Tennessee and LSU in October, November, that's suddenly looking really not kind. <laughs> and then even you're going to see a nice stretch uh, against Ole Miss next weekend, followed by road games at Mississippi State and Texas A&M. And those are games Alabama has not had trouble with in the past, generally speaking. Obviously, they lost at A&M two years ago, but – if they have trouble with, you know, two of those three games, all three of those games, we can really start to be questioning how, how good this Alabama team actually is before they even get to the difficult part of the schedule. Okay, role reversal part two. The SEC may not be the most dominant conference. Is it too soon to uh, ask that question? And after Georgia, who's the second best team in the SEC? Well, I think that's that's the point of the question where people could go one of two ways. You know, I still think Georgia is the best team in the country. 
I think that I'm very confident with that. So if we're talking about the SEC not being the most dominant because it doesn't produce a national title contender, I'm not there. However, like you said, who is the number two? Alabama looked very flawed. Tennessee's offense has not been the explosive unit we saw last year. Um, Ole Miss looks okay, but I'm not sure any of us are really expecting Ole Miss to be better than, you know, nine wins, ten wins. LSU kind of got worked in that opener, so I still think LSU is probably the number two. I I do believe that they're going to bounce back pretty well to offense. I think is going to be overwhelming for a lot of teams, so I still think it's LSU. But it's a great question um, because it's it's not off to a great start after Georgia this year. David Kenyon of Bleacher Report, currently in the Sports Zone. All right, role reversal part three. Is the Pac-12 in its final season maybe the best conference? You know, I, I still think it's probably the Big Ten because we're going to – we're in Michigan and Penn State, and then I still think Ohio State will figure it out. But, I mean, I've said all along this offseason, getting into the season, it's such a shame that the Pac-12 is imploding because this is an awesome league this year. There's so much to like about the Pac-12 this year. Obviously at the top with USC, but then Oregon and Washington and Utah all kind of matching their billing, and Utah doesn't even have Cam Rising yet. Colorado, boom, I'm sure we'll get to that. But Oregon State looks good. UCLA dominated. San Diego State on the road last week. Wazoo gets a win over Wisconsin and on and on and on. And so I love the Pac-12 this year, so it's a shame. Yeah, usually in this part of September, I'm already declaring the Pac-12 eliminated from the college football playoff. But uh, uh, do they get a team to the CFP this season, and which Pac-12 team would be most likely to make that? I do think I do think it is USC, and that's certainly not a surprise to anybody who's following college football. The, the Caleb Williams show just continues. It's it's so impressive what USC is doing, and the defense I still have concerns about for sure from a long term perspective. Obviously, they they really get into conference play this week, and then the only other non conference game left on the schedule is at Notre Dame. Looking forward to being there. Um, but, I mean, you, you've got five road games, and of the remaining nine, six are currently ranked. So this is this is a difficult, difficult, difficult schedule for USC. But if they can get through this 11-1, and win the Pac-12 championship, there's no question with the strength of schedule they'll be in the college football playoff for sure. Okay, you mentioned Colorado. How good's Colorado? Oh, man, the question that haunts me every time this this comes up. I still am not fully bought in on Colorado, so let's just make sure that Dion is listening to this, cut it up, and use that as material for the future. But it's the same thing. There, there are six ranked teams left on this schedule, um, and I, I just really don't think the offense is going to continue to um, beat up on defenses like it has. I mean, TCU's defense was pretty brutal to watch, and TCU's offense left about 17 points on the field anyway and already scored 42 in that game. So I still think, you know, a road trip to Oregon, a road trip to Utah, those are really tough. Going to UCLA is not going to be easy, and then USC is USC. 
Um, so I still think Colorado is not, you know, oh, my goodness, transcendent good. But this went from a, oh, they'd be lucky to make a bowl, in my opinion, to they'll probably get seven wins. And that's a huge success in, in the first year with 80 new players on a roster by far. Okay, yeah, Dion wouldn't like these next couple of questions either, probably. Uh, how long does he stay in Boulder, and what might uh, be his next coaching job? You know, just lost in all of this. I, I'm not sure that's something I've contemplated to the level that it probably deserves. I am fascinated by the question um, because clearly he is going to be an attraction. And the longer he stays at Colorado, if it were to go south, then he becomes less attractive, obviously. But let's say he's there for two, three years, and they win seven, and they win nine, and they win ten games. You're going to see a big, big program offer him an opportunity. And so basically it just comes down to whether um, can Colorado pay him enough to stay? Does he want to be in a different kind of area as opposed to, you know, the mountains of Boulder. Does he, He's a Florida kid, right? He, he grew up in North Fort Myers. He played in Atlanta. He played in Dallas. He played in Washington. So he's always been generally on the East Coast. So is that something that is an appeal for him personally? I don't know. So I think that's, that's a big factor. But certainly if you see Colorado win for a couple of years, you're going to see some huge schools, SEC schools, Big Ten schools, we're going to be putting up a lot of money to get prime over there. Role reversal part four. You might have already answered this, but is the Ohio State University offense not good? Yeah, um, <laughs> not a great start uh, for sure. I, I'm leaving the optimism out there because now Kyle McCord is the full-time starter officially as of this week. So I think that Ohio State is going to be much better than they have been so far. Um, there is so much talent, and you think as they settle in. And remember, McCord has only started two games in his college career. We should give him more than two weeks before we pounce on him too much. But look, that trip to Notre Dame next weekend, that is, that is going to be a huge test. Notre Dame has looked even better than I thought. This season, I figured it would be top 10, maybe just top 15, but around that top 10 window. This is looking like a top six, maybe just missed the college football playoff kind of team. So that is, that is a huge game. I'd still take Ohio State right now, but ask me after this weekend, and maybe I'll have a different, uh, different opinion after we see this Ohio State offense one more time. In fact, I was going to get to that game uh, next with Notre Dame. Uh, what's impressed you most about Notre Dame? I know it's three games, and they, you know, but they you know, NC State's defense had been really good for several years until last week. Yeah, I think it's the obvious one is Sam Hartman. I mean, he's he's throwing for all, over eleven yards per attempt right now. The the competition has not been good, but that's still a ridiculous number, yeah. and so. The, the receiver by committee is working right now. The long-term projection of that is where I get curious, but they've, they've done really well so far just spreading the ball around. And I think, again, that might be a, a factor of the competition that they've had because I, I think it's just the offense that has been the most impressive. The defense has been solid. 
continually solid, but I don't think overwhelming because they're not creating a ton of pressure. They're doing well, but they're not getting in the backfield, you know, getting a ton of sacks. So they're, they're just kind of making, making do with good sound defense instead of explosive defense. The explosiveness part has come from that offense, and you can ab- absolutely just trace that immediately to Sam Hartman's arrival. Talking college football with uh, David Kenyon of Bleacher Report. Okay, so I think we're on the Texas might be back train here. Who's the second best team in the Big 12? Well, sticking with the offense theme, Oklahoma looks really good so far, but I will stick with Kansas State right now. Um, that win over Troy last week probably didn't capture much attention given we were talking so much about Texas, Alabama, and, you know, Oregon plays Texas Tech. But Troy's a good team with a good defense. I mean, they, they have three guys on the defensive front who were all-conference, you know, double-digit tackles for loss guys. And Kansas State beat them by 29. And, you know, oh, it, that's not a big deal, right? Well, Kansas State lost to Tulane early last year, right? And they go in and they play a very solid Troy team, and they smoke them. And they, they've been disruptive in two games. Um, and the offense just looks solid. And Will Howard has done a really nice job as quarterback. And so I still think it's Kansas State. A lot of experience on the offensive line, too. Love that. So I'm sticking with K-State. Oklahoma's right there, though. Okay. This week's schedule, at least going in, seems to lack some juice. Uh, there's no matchups between uh, top 25 teams. But... There are seven ranked teams going on the road, uh, so somebody's going down. I think I'm most intrigued by you know, the Tennessee at Florida game, but I'm more intrigued by the home team here. If this doesn't go well for Florida, how much heat's on Billy Napier? I think this is, this is the kind of game that can make a hot seat discussion rational. Right now, today, he's very much on watch, but... Florida did not look good at Utah. I mean, the numbers would tell you that they they weren't actually that bad. But watching the game, I think you'd come away with a different opinion where it's like Florida just looked out of control the entire game or lacking control, you know, not not necessarily like flying around, no idea what they're doing, but they just look like they could not handle Utah. And Utah has clearly been – the jewel of the Pac-12 lately, so I'm not criticizing Utah. But look, man, if you can't handle Utah, you are not getting through the SEC um, and certainly not competing at the level that Georgia will, will require of you in the SEC. Tennessee hasn't looked that good, like I said earlier this year, but if Tennessee goes into Gainesville and wins by 14, wins by 17, you're going to have a lot of angry people uh, in, in Florida right now. So we'll see. He. Napier could get on the hot seat if this gets ugly, but if it's a close loss, maybe it's like, all right, well, this is this is still not a good year, and it's pointing in the wrong direction, but they're still recruiting well enough that it might be okay. But, yeah, you, you could start hearing some different conversations if Tennessee goes in there and some excavators. Good stuff, David. We always appreciate the time, and we uh, look forward to talking to you over the next few months here. Thanks. Absolutely.